Go ahead and be seated. Well, as uh, Steve has already mentioned, Pastor Martin is gone this Sunday with the West Institute Group in Israel. Please be praying for them. It's a powerful time to go over there and see the land where our Savior came and lived. So I was asked to bring the message this morning. And for those of you who don't know my name, it's David Grafe. I'm actually one of the elders here at LVC. And I think I can speak for the whole elder board when I say we think we have a wonderful church. We are so proud of this congregation. And it's an honor to share God's word with you this morning. As this is the first Sunday in December, I thought it would be good for us to begin turning our thoughts toward Christmas and read together the announcement of our Savior's birth. Turn your Bible with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. I'm going to be reading verses 8 through 20. Luke chapter 2. We see in verse 7 that the Savior has just been born. He's been wrapped in swaddling cloths and laid in a manger by his mother Mary. Verse 8. And in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And it came about, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. The title for this morning's message is The Greatest Announcement Ever Given. Father, I want to pray again and ask that Jesus Christ would be glorified in our hearts this morning. Father, we think of him sometimes too infrequently, but this morning we commit ourselves to remember his coming. Lord, we pray that you would speak to each one of us, pray that you would fill me with your spirit, Lord, and I pray that we would be encouraged to share our wonderful Savior with those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning as I share this message, I'm going to be asking a series of questions, 
And as I do, I want you to be thinking of the answers. First question that I have for you this morning, these are simple questions, uh, but they will help you track with, with the passage. To whom was this greatest announcement ever first given? The announcement that the Savior had been born. To the shepherds, right? Not to the Magi coming from the east, not to King Herod, not to devout Simeon or elderly Anna in the temple, but to shepherds, to common, lowly, everyday shepherds in the fields. This group of men, these shepherds, were probably the least likely, but the most appropriate group of men to be entrusted with this announcement. John MacArthur writes, if you were orchestrating this, if you were a PR agent and were designing a campaign to announce that the savior of the world had been born, the last people you would go to is a bunch of shepherds. I mean, literally the last people you would go to. You might say, we want to get this thing out, so we need to go to the people who have the greatest influence. We want to go to the influencers, as they would be called today. We might, we might want to go to the high priest. I mean, he would be the religious leader of Israel or the Sadducees who basically made up the Sanhedrin, the ruling body of Israel, or to the Pharisees because they were fastidious about the prophecies and were looking for the Messiah. And we might even want to send a memo or press release to Caesar Augustus to let him know. But shepherds, not on your life. Shepherds were the lowliest, commonest of unskilled peasants in the social Jewish social strata. They were actually considered unclean by the religious elite and not even allowed to testify in court. And yet, that's exactly to whom God sent this most important announcement on the night of our Savior's birth. But how appropriate. Last week, Pastor Martin reminded us of Jesus. It's in Luke 4, him preaching in the synagogue in Nazareth and quoting Isaiah 61, which says, in which he says, the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. The poor. Not the self-righteous, not the self-sufficient, but the poor, the lowly, the sinners, the brokenhearted, the captives, the prisoners. John MacArthur goes on to write, in fact, as Jesus went through his life, he attracted to himself the outcasts of society, Tax collectors, absolute nobodies, prostitutes, sinners, and drunkards. And may I add, he is attracted to himself, you and me. And we do good to remember what it says in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29. Consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise, God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong and the base things of the world and the despised. Why? Verse 29 says that no man should boast before God. So as unlikely as this group of shepherds would be to be the bearers of this most important announcement, they were also most appropriate. And I think that should be encouragement for us as well when we share the good news. When we go to speak to someone and we have that nagging voice in our head saying, 
Who are you to be sharing this gospel? Simply remind yourself, well, I'm a foolish, weak, base, and despised thing that the Lord has chosen to use to be his witness. To God be the glory. Amen? It's interesting, this isn't the first time that God has used shepherds to glorify his name and to be his witnesses. Recall the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, they were all shepherds. And in the Egyptian eyes of the time, the symbol for the world at the time, they were despised. And what about Moses? What was Moses doing when God appeared to him in the burning bush? Do you remember? He was out shepherding Jethro's flocks. And then there's King David, the young man who was shepherding sheep, possibly in these very same fields a thousand years earlier. Fields in which Passover lambs were often kept. And finally, there is Jesus himself, the good shepherd, the greatest shepherd of all. How was this announcement given to the shepherds? Through an angel, right? Look with me in verse 9. Verse 9, it says, And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. We're not told which angel this was. Some think possibly Gabriel. He had already appeared to Zechariah and to Mary. But although here we're not told exactly by whom the announcement came, we are told what it came with. What did it come with? It came with the glory of the Lord shining all around them. This is the same glory that came down and filled the tabernacle in Exodus chapter 40. The same glory that came down and filled Solomon's temple when it was dedicated. And it's the same glory that in Ezekiel chapter 10 left the temple, departed going up, never to return again until over five centuries later this very night when our Savior was born. The Lord's glory is an amazing thing. Whenever we see it in the scriptures, it's a brilliant light. It's blinding. It's awe-inspiring. It can make even the mightiest men and the most majestic mountains melt like wax. So it's not surprising here in verse 9 that we see that the shepherds became terribly frightened, or literally they feared a great fear. We see this same glory at Jesus' transfiguration on the mountain, and also with the apostle John on the island of Patmos in the, revel- in the revelation of Jesus there. And when is the next time that we, we sitting in this room, will see the glory of God? We who believe will get to see the glory of the Lord at the rapture. I can't wait, can you? It's going to be amazing. It's going to be so spine-tingling that we cannot ever experience it before that point. And then the whole world will experience the Lord's glory at Christ's coming, second coming. He's going to light up the dark sky like never before, And at that time, those who are not his should be afraid. There will be no words of peace, be not afraid, at that time. Verse 11, 
What was the announcement that the shepherds were given by the angel? Today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This sentence is packed with import. A Savior like no other. This is the long-awaited Messiah. And don't miss this. It's important. The Lord the capital L-O-R-D, Lord, God, very God, wrapped in swaddling claws and lying in a manger. I think the shepherds may have been puzzling about this when all of a sudden the dark night sky burst forth with a host of heavenly angels praising God, saying glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among men with whom he is well pleased. I picture it kind of like one of those big fireworks on the 4th, right? We go watch them over there in the baseball fields or wherever they shoot them off. And there's the little ones to get us kind of excited, but then suddenly there's one of the really big mortars, the ones that go, <laughs> and they're just like, whoa, that one went high, right? That's how I pictured Gabriel coming down all of a sudden, catching the attention of the shepherds giving his announcement, and then suddenly, kaboom, the dark night sky fills with the heavenly host praising God, and the shepherds look up in awe. And then all of a sudden, just as quickly as they had come, they fade away. So what did the shepherds do next? Let's read in verse 15 and 16 together of their response. The shepherds began saying to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing which has happened, that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. I love this about the shepherds. What did they say? They said, let's go. Let's go see this thing. These were men of action. They went straight to Bethlehem with haste. And you know what? I think that's the kind of people the Lord often likes to use. As I think back of many different Bible characters, it's, it's people like Ruth that are ready to go. A woman of action, ready to leave her homeland to follow Naomi. Or think of Rebecca. When those sent of the Lord came, she ran to fetch water for them. Even Mary's own husband, Joseph, what happened that night when he received the dream warning him of Herod's plan to kill the baby Jesus? He got up that very night and took his family toward Egypt. He didn't wait till morning. Or like Peter, James, and John, who immediately left their nets to follow the Lord, Men and women who are truly doers of God's word and not hearers only. I want you, young people, to realize that courage is not lost on Christians. Christians should be the most courageous people on the face of this earth. Because of the goodness of God, his sovereignty, our trust in him, our hope of eternal life, and the spirit dwelling within us. There are many such people in this room this morning. And again, I'd like to say we are proud of this congregation. 
What was the effect on the shepherds when they saw the baby in the manger? Now, this is important. Look with me in verse 17 and 18. And when they, the shepherds, had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. So what was the effect of seeing the Christ child on the shepherds? When they saw it with their own eyes, they began to share the message about him, right? They began to share the good news of Jesus, the gospel, with those around them. They began to testify, this is the Savior for you, Christ the Lord, and they praise God. It said all who heard it. That means more than just Mary heard it that night. They began to witness. And this should be the same effect in our lives when we have truly seen the Lord and come to know him for who he is. It should elicit within us a desire to witness of him to others as well as praise and glory to our God. Have you truly seen him with your eyes of faith? Is this what has been elicited in your soul? Or have you only heard of him from others? There's one more verse. I've skipped it, but it's very important. It's one this morning that I trust will be a great encouragement to you in sharing Christ with others. It's verse 10. Let's look at verse 10. This verse we do well to remember when witnessing. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. A good news of great joy for all the people. Let's be honest. Sometimes we don't witness for Christ like we know we should. We're a little hesitant. We're a little fearful. We say maybe, maybe the people don't want to hear. Maybe they, they won't trust or respect the words coming out of my mouth. But remember, even the apostle Paul felt hesitancy at times. He actually asks at the end of Ephesians, in chapter 6, verse 19, for the Ephesians to pray for him that he would continue to be bold in sharing the gospel. So if you have ever feel this way with one of your friends, one of your neighbors, I want to remind you, first of all, that just like the shepherds, God chose you to be his witnesses. And then remember the three truths we find in this verse 10. That the message we share is good news of great joy and it's for all the people. Good news. That's what we're sharing when we witness of Christ. Good news. We're not peddling anything we're not selling anything. We're not giving our opinion. We're not judging anyone. We are simply sharing good news. That's what the word gospel means. Whenever you read gospel in the Bible, you can replace it with the words good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news of Jesus Christ. 
The gospel of the kingdom is the good news of the kingdom. The gospel that we're not ashamed of because it is the power of God unto salvation is the same good news. And the gospel that Paul was defending in Galatians is the good news of faith in Christ alone. Which people were deserting for another good news that was really no good news at all, but a damning heresy. So, if someone ever tries to intimidate you by saying, hey, what, are you trying to evangelize me? Your answer should simply be, I just want to share with you good news. The best news that you'll ever hear. The news that you can be forgiven of all your sins and guilt, that you can be saved from the judgment to come and have a personal relationship with the creator of this universe. What's more, the good news is of great joy. Good news of great joy. See, there's so much connected to Christ and his coming and his plan that's so rich. Did you know that there's a glorious inheritance prepared for each of us in heaven? That all of us who receive this good news, that's what it says in Ephesians 1.18. This good news brings peace that passes understanding. This good news goes be, has a love associated with it that the world can never experience and eternal rewards that go beyond description. I was reading Revelation this past week for my quiet time and I saw these wonderful rewards that are, are awaiting us who are faithful and trust this good news, such as eating from a real tree of life in the paradise of God, being given garments of white and crowns of gold, and get this, a special name on a white stone just for you that no one else knows, given by your heavenly Father. And then there's the new heavens and the new earth and eternity to enjoy them with our Lord and Savior. Just stuff like that. Great, joyful stuff. Additionally, the gospel goes on to say that this is good news of great joy even for creation. The Bible says in Romans 8 that creation eagerly awaits the joyful day of our Lord's return when, he, when it will be set free from the curse of sin and death. So if you think this world is beautiful now, all the people that love nature now just wait until then when it's truly set free. Yes, the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ is good news of great joy for the entire world. Finally, truth number three in verse 10. Remember when sharing this good news of great joy, for, it's for all the people. All the people, as is demonstrated by the shepherds, all the people, regardless of their education, their occupation, their background, this good news is for that person over on the corner of Vista and Grand with the cardboard sign. Just as much as it is for that geology professor walking across Prexy's pasture. We have to remember that this good news is for all people, regardless of their status. We are sharing good news of great joy for everyone to hear. And it's not only all the people of Israel, as is 
implied in verse 10 here, but if we look to verses 31 and 32 of this chapter, it's for all peoples of the earth. Jesus came to be a light of revelation for the whole world. Do we have any college students in this first uh, service? Anybody from Doxy? Yeah, we got a few. This morning, I want to take this opportunity to encourage you particularly that this Christmas, for this Christmas season and the upcoming semesters to befriend an international student. Because this good news of great joy that we have in Jesus Christ is for them as well, and they might not have another good, clear opportunity to hear it when they return home. This is probably the best opportunity, seriously, that you will ever have in your life to share Jesus with the nations. Unless you go live in a foreign land for a number of years. So please, don't overlook this opportunity. Befriend an international, international student. And remember that Jesus deserves and desires to be praised by all these nations. Isaiah 49, 6 says, It is too small a thing that the Messiah should be God's servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel only. But God promised to make Jesus, the Messiah, a light of the nations so that his salvation would reach to the end of the earth. And once again, for all of us here this morning, as we enter this Christmas season as we have opportunity to share with friends and family, remember these three truths in verse 10. What you are sharing is good news. It's of great joy, and it's for all people. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. And thank you for calling us to be your witnesses just like those shepherds, to be your ambassadors. And Lord, I thank you for this Christmas season, which is a time to remember our Savior. Lord, remember all that he's done for us. And how fitting that this morning is communion as well, a time set apart to remember what he has done for us. Lord, the sacrifice that Christ made to open up the one and only way to the Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.